We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello? We're on to Cincinnati. You play to win the game. It was all that Dan Marino's fault. Everyone knows that. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Rockpile Report, AFC East Roundup, hosted by Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the AFC East Roundup Podcast. I'm your host, Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. And we're here talking about week six in the NFL. I feel like this week's going to run a little long, so we're going to jump right into it. Talking about the Patriots. Now, for those of you who listen to our preview podcast, you know Christian Simonelli's not joining us tonight. I want to talk to you, Chris. I want to talk to you about the Patriots. Isn't it fun watching Bill Belichick throw things in frustration on the sideline? I have not watched a Patriot highlight <laughs> in... I couldn't tell you, unless you're playing the Bills. Well, luckily they don't I, have any this year. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't I haven't seen any of it. So Bill Belichick has destroyed multiple tablets this season. It's uh and then in what I think is kind of a sign of things, like right, like there's some Patriots fans who will try to tell you that things need to happen or that like, oh, Bill needs to be fired, blah 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 blah. A lot of that's just noise. It's just salty fans being fans. I mean, Chris, how long was I crying that Dable needed to be fired? Now he's an NFL head coach. A losing one, but an NFL head coach. Um, how many times have I gotten hammered and screamed about Dorsey? All of the time. All of the time. Especially the last two weeks. <laughs> Although, as we talked about in our recap show, which, if you haven't heard it yet, get over there. Maybe some of that's unwarranted. Maybe we should uh, kind of lighten up a little bit. One of the things that I find most telling is that even when Bill Belichick lost in the past, he at least maintained he, he he maintained his composure. Now he's Will Ferrell from old school, in his underwear, screaming at the top of his lungs, flailing around with a folding chair. He's breaking tablets. He's screaming at players. 
Also, I see this and I think to myself, you know, do you remember when Ryan Fitzpatrick talked about how mad, how personally he took it that Tom Brady snubbed him? Oh, yeah. And how it made him want to kill Tom Brady. To, like Every time I get the opportunity to play Tom Brady, he's getting 125% of me. So this week it was kind of sad. Uh, Adam Butler was a defensive tackle who played for the New England Patriots for years. He left in free agency to go join the Raiders. And after the game, you know, he's he got his first sack as a Raider. He had a great game by all accounts. He foolishly thought that, hey, when the game's over, I'm going to be able to seek out Bill Belichick and, like, my mentor, the guy who drafted me, the guy who brought me up. Give him a handshake because, Chris, you see that all the time, don't you? Yeah. You'd think, like, like if you're an idiot about sports, you think that these guys hate each other's guts. And don't get me wrong, there there are some guys who foster real animosity over the game of football. Like, it's not all just, hey, we're co-workers. Like, do you remember when Heinz Ward broke Keith Rivers' jaw? No. Yeah. Back when the Steelers, like, think about when the Steelers-Ravens games were at their, like, their peak. The most, like, the roughest ones. And the Bengals were kind of getting in the mix there, whatever. But those teams were full of badasses who were bad dudes. Legitimately bad dudes. They're probably nice off the field, but on the field, they took no prisoners. Keith Rivers had done something, and Heinz Ward said, oh, yeah, you think you're funny? So on a passing play where Keith Rivers is playing zone, he comes across the formation and throws it like he knows he's not looking and just absolutely shatters Keith Rivers' jaw. <laughs> like, some of these guys legitimately hate each other. Yeah. But by and large, after every single game, you see guys from opposing teams doing jersey swaps, shaking hands, at least talking, like, hey, cool. Or they just go, you know, whatever. Butler thought that he could get a handshake from Bill Belichick and was really, he, he talked to the media about it. It was in Pro Football Talk about how he was kind of sad and disappointed that Belichick didn't even consider him, just blew right by and stormed off the field. Like, he only used to do that after really bad beats. Like, he did it after the Bills. Him and Tom Brady stormed off the field together without shaking hands after the Bills beat them back in 2011. He did it, I'm trying to think of when else. Like, when else have you, like, I've watched Tom Brady sit on the field in the, like that stupid position of his. Eagle Super Bowl? Eagle Super Bowl, he stormed off. The, well, I think he shook a hand briefly, but it was the McDermott Dayball shake. All right. <laughs> it Makes wasn't sense. even a real congratulations to Doug Peterson. Like, so now that he's getting these bad losses with more frequency, is anybody surprised he's behaving like this? Because I am. Like, I assumed he had a, I don't know, I, I assumed he was made of tougher stuff. He's a bitch. That he had a little bit more tether. And the fact that I'm seeing this from him now, after years of him being touted as this stoic genius of football who doesn't talk much, he just goes, he speaks softly and carries a big stick. Yeah? Okay. Well, now him and his big stick are hightailing it straight to the locker room rather than shake hands. This thing is coming unraveled at the top. Who's supposed to hold this shit show together? 
The GM. Every pa- no, yeah, oh yeah, the GM's <laughs> gonna hold it together. Every Patriots fan who had faith in how this season was gonna turn out thought that way because they go like I, I tweeted about it yesterday. You can go to our Twitter at Rock Report. Take a look and some guy who was going off. In fact, maybe I can find it. But as we talk here, but the guy's premise was that they were the only ones. Yeah, here it is. We were a top five defense. Offense got better. The Bills pushed. The Jets got better, but we'll see this. But we've seen this story before with Favre. The Dolphins have yet to prove they're the second best team in the East. I think all three teams are closer than people think. We have Bill Belichick, and it's just a picture of Bill Belichick sipping coffee. Like the only reason that Patriots fans tangibly had any hope is because they had a guy who always brought the goods. And even when their team the last couple of years hasn't been great, they've won because of coaching, not because of talent. What happens when coaching fails you? I believe. Don't know if this is a hot take. The game is passed Belichick by. I actually had this he's, comp- Chris. He's not. He's The game's passed him by. I think it's funny you say this because I said this to my wife watching Alabama struggled to beat Texas A&M probably about, uh, what was it, a week ago? I'm talking to my wife, and I'm laughing because I'm watching this offensive line get hold, just called for penalties, give up sacks. We can't orchestrate a passing game because our quarterback is getting sacked. I think one player, there was one pl- oh no, it was Arkansas. One player against Arkansas had five sacks. <laughs> it's like at halftime, we subbed out the left tackle. Didn't matter. Pressure. Just, they're swapping bodies. They're shuffling stuff. We're getting stupid. Chris, Alabama got called for a false start on the victory formation. That makes sense. I will say this, Nick Saban. He has evolved better with football than Belichick because Saban knows that he can, knew that he could no longer win national titles with quarterback play from people like Jake Coker and needed to do better recruiting to get your Tua, your Jalen Hurts, sure. your Mac Mac Jones. And then you know Belichick he, he can't evolve like that. He's and, not good at it. Well and then you know what he did though? Is then he waltzed into a season like this one where he has uh couldn't get a quarterback? No, couldn't get a quarterback. And that's why he lost a number of offensive players, a couple wide receivers, a running back, lost some offensive playmakers to the transfer portal because they took a look at the quarterback situation and said, oh, you're going to stick me with Jalen Milrow? I'm not sticking around for that. See now, and, and Nick Saban bitched more about the transfer portal and how it's garbage because he doesn't understand that these kids have choices now. It's even the playing field. It's leveled the playing field. If you don't recruit properly quarterback offensive line just like the nfl you need a quarterback you need an offensive line if you want free agents to come around you need an offensive line and you need a quarterback or else your star and you have to have a passing attack with receivers that can separate you have to have a good quarterback well and those wide receivers won't stick around if you don't have a good quarterback or a good coordinator so all of this stuff is cyclical and i think it's gotten so complicated that nick saban can't get his hands all the way around it anymore and you're watching the fracturing of this Alabama program. Now, I don't think they're going to go anywhere. I think they're still going to be competitive. And if Nick can figure out how to keep players from, you know, he's still trying to play the long game when now everyone's playing the short game. 
the game has evolved and it's passing him by if he chooses to let it. And I kept telling her, I go, I think it's telling that Bilicek and Saban are very good friends. They talk about football philosophy together. They talk about how much they you know, go to each other for advice. They're both dying along the same lines. Offensive line, running attack, passing attack. They can't matriculate to the modern the modern iteration of what their game is because they're not playing it the right way. <laughs> as a coach and as a talent evaluator and as a guy who's prioritizing scouting and drafting and you know, who you reach out to for to, for you know, signings. Cool, Alabama had the best. Now, maybe I'm wrong because Alabama just had one of the best recruiting classes in the country. But Belichick doesn't have that. All he has is free agency. And he went out there and tried to wave money around the last couple of years, and it didn't net them anything. Remember how washed up Allen Robinson was when he got to the Rams? Yeah. Allen Robinson wouldn't play for the Patriots. <laughs> they made him a giant offer, and he refused. I think the game is passing him by, and it's easy to see it if you're watching it. Then you, so, so now if you can't rely on that guy to be the reason you're winning anymore, <clears throat> you go down the chain, and you say to yourself, okay, when Mac Jones is in press conferences after games saying things like, we need to take an honest look. We're going to go in, and we're going to watch the tape with honest eyes. Who is he talking to? Is he talking to himself? Like, hey, you need to watch that. He's talking real- to Bill O'Brien. Well, and this is it. Like, who is he? Is he talking to his coach? Kind of being like, hey, coach, we all need to go in here and see the bullshit that you're handing out here or that you've constructed that I'm saddled with. I, what I know is that Bill Belichick's Patriots are currently 30th or lower in most NFL power rankings. I like it. That's when's the last time that's happened? Nineteen ninety-two. It hasn't happened during Belichick's tenure. Even when Tom Brady was young, Belichick had a winner. He just did it differently, and every year he would pivot and find a new way to win, and pivot and find a new way to win. Regardless of the Matt Castle year, he says, "Fine, I don't have a Tom Brady. I will still win eleven games." They missed the playoffs on a, what, tiebreaker scenario, I believe it was? Yeah, yeah, One of the few times you get double-digit wins and miss. For the first time. So so I'm supposed to believe that at some point this season, they'll figure it out. When all signs are telling me that this is the worst season Bill Belichick has ever had. And it's just been this slow descent into hell for that fan base. And for this team. And for the coaching staff. For everybody associated with it but that someday they're going to sort it out and all of a sudden just be back. Chris, that's a nice thought, but I think we've all watched these movies before. That's not how this ends, is it? <laughs> that's not how these films tend to end. All I know is they're going to go play the Buffalo Bills this week. I can't wait to see it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Discuss the New York Jets with us tonight is Mr. Scott Mason from PlayLikeAJet.com. It's a heater! <laughs> Mr. Scott Mason, how are you doing tonight? Well, this has been an interesting season so far, Drew. Uh, this <laughs> week, no game, so I get to relax a little bit, collect my thoughts and all of that, but this has been... Uh, in every way, a strange season for the Jets. You, when when Aaron Rodgers goes down at the start of the season, you're basically stuck thinking, okay, there it goes. Like that's it. Um, the, the, the season's over. You know, I'm questioning your coaching staff, questioning your seriousness about this. You know, we're watching you guys blow out losses to the Cowboys, tough loss to the Patriots, but then. Yeah, and then you start to see like, hey, the Jets hung tough with the Kansas City Chiefs, and everyone goes, ah, the Chiefs are playing poorly, but it'll be fine. Correction: the Jets got robbed by the referees against the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> what is it with you guys from New Jersey and crying about getting robbed by the refs? I don't understand. <laughs> Fuck the Giants forever. Um, so, <laughs> so with that in mind. We go, you know, it's just excuse after excuse. People tried. Like, it was one of those things where, for me, I never thought highly of the Jets here going into the season. And then, with the, I'm one of them. With the Aaron Rodgers injury, I just assumed that's the end. This is the wrap on this. First loss to the Cowboys. Is then, But then you start to see some percolation here. The Chiefs game. You guys are hanging tough. You know, Chris, we just watched the Chiefs struggle to put away the Broncos. No one, you're not hearing the same conversations be had about the Chiefs that we were about the Jets and about how the Jets are washed and they're finished. And, about, and yet you go into this week that I'm sure every Jets fan everywhere, there's Jets fans out there. Like, how do you feel knowing that there's Jets fans who bet against their own team this week? <laughs> you had well, to. I'll say a couple of things. The first thing is the Jets are, believe it or not, exactly where I thought they would be before the season. I think I even said this to you on the show when we talked about it before the year. I thought they'd be 3-3 three and three at the bye. I thought they'd beat the Bills just because I thought the energy in the building and the 9-11 and Rodgers' first game and all of that, they were going to be able to beat the Bills. I thought they would lose to the Chiefs, lose to the Eagles, and they would lose to the Cowboys on the road. So the only one that I got wrong is you flip the Patriots game, which I thought they'd win, with the Eagles game, which I thought they'd lose. Now, obviously, I thought they were going 3-3 three and three with Aaron Rodgers, not Zach Wilson. So it's really incredible. 
I'll say this, Drew. If you remember after the Jets-Bills game, what I said to you, and you can go back and listen to that episode of the Rock Pile Report, which I recommend. What I said was I didn't think the season was over. I thought they're – the odds of them winning or going to the Super Bowl, I never really bought into the Super Bowl hype anyway, but I thought the ceiling had dr- drastically reduced. I think there was no way around that, and there still isn't. But what I told you at the time is that I still thought the Jets had a chance to compete for a playoff spot, and I said a lot of it was going to hinge on whether or not Zach Wilson – because remember, Zach Wilson wasn't supposed to play this year. He was supposed to redshirt, learn behind Rodgers, and that's why many of us, myself included, really criticized not getting a real backup, a Teddy Bridgewater, Gardner Minshew, somebody like that, Jacoby Brissett. So what I said to you was if Zach – put aside what your expectations were for Zach Wilson when he was drafted, put aside whatever you think maybe he can be down the line. That doesn't matter right now. We can get back to his ceiling or his future later. What we have to deal with right now is the here and now. And what I said was if Zach Wilson can manage the game, if he can make some nice throws while avoiding big mistakes – even if he's not any kind of game changer, even if he's not any kind of difference maker, even if he just performs like a low-end starter, solid backup, like those guys I mentioned, Brissett, Bridgewater, Gardner Minshew, if he could do that and the defense could do what they do and Brees Hall can do what he does, the Jets were going to have a real chance to make the playoffs. And I think that's what you're seeing because say what you want about Zach Wilson – by no means is he anything more than what I just said. No, but, but look, but, but look at it like this. This is what I'm <clears throat> boggles me. I understand the detritus. He's not a star, right? Like I've I've talked shit about him just as recently as this past week. <laughs> but career highs in completion percentage, complete completions, right? Just. Straight up completions, the number of passes he completed, he's already almost matched last season's total in two fewer games. What you're watching is a guy who has figured out that, hey, if my defense can drag these guys down into the mud, I I can orchestrate enough. And also, by the way, Brees Hall, fucking electric. Like, that kid is a... You know... And Garrett Wilson is too, by the way. No, 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 no. But Brees Hall, like you guys gave a seven, you guys gave a Delvin Cook contract that you didn't have to. You know that, right? There was no yeah. like that was that was the epitome of hat on a hat. Well, as you know, I've I've talked about this. I mean, I said it on your show. I was never in favor of that move, and I think everybody kind of realizes that it was done to placate Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. So so now you made a guy happy who's not here. And at the same time, the guy I'm just happy they're not trying to ham fist Cook into the game. They're letting Brees Hall be the alpha because it's what he is. The combination of Zach Wilson being competent right. and Brees Hall being the straw that stirs the drink, combined with that defense, it's working. And for as many people want to say the defense is over, the oh the statistics, it's overblown. How's this for fucking overblown? Okay, they took the they beat the Bills, beat the beat Philly, beat can almost beat Kansas City. Probably should have beat Kansas City. Took them to the wire. When you look at where those three teams rank, they are ninth for Kansas City, fifth for the Eagles, and third for the Bills in points scored this season. Right. In terms of yardage, 
going back down the line. The Bills are fifth. Eagles are second. The Chiefs are fourth. These are upper echelon offenses, and you held them all to around 20 points or less. And and on the offensive side of the ball, listen, Brees Hall is obviously the straw that stirs the drink. But really, if you look at it, Zach Wilson, his footwork looks better. He's playing with more confidence. He's made some nice throws. He's not making those same key mistakes, especially interceptions. And what it boils down to is, and what you're seeing this year that you didn't see last year from him is, they're moving the ball consistently. They had fought three drives of over 50 yards against the Eagles. The issue is the red zone offense needs a lot of work. But the point is, it steps in the right direction. And if the defense continues to play well against the better teams, and if Zach Wilson can continue, look, I saw, I forget who pointed this out, but it was really funny. There were eight, uh, excuse me, nine interceptions thrown in the Jets games against the Eagles, the Bills, and the Chiefs. And eight of those nine were not thrown by Zach Wilson. If I would have told you that before the season started, that Wilson was playing against those three teams and there were nine interceptions, you'd have thought most of them were Zach Wilson, certainly not only one. So it's truly remarkable how, you know, again, like you said, he's figuring out that he doesn't have to be Aaron Rodgers. He just has to manage the game. And this is sort of what we were hoping for a little bit last year. We were hoping for, remember what we said with Josh Allen, year one, he was pretty bad. Year two, he got incrementally better. And year three is the breakout year when he became a star. We were hoping with Zach Wilson, year two would be the year number two, like Allen, where he would be like what we're seeing now. Maybe he's a year behind schedule. Maybe this is just what he is. I don't know, but at least now I forget who said it, but the Jets have gone from a team with Zach Wilson that he's he's unplayable and they can't win to now he's competent and they can win games with him. And uh, that's a big step forward. Uh, again, he's not playing like the guy they thought they were getting at a BYU. Maybe he never gets to that level. But for now, this is a major step forward. And it's something that most Jets fans probably never thought they would see. And, and look, if Jets, fan, Jets fans that – made up their mind about Wilson already, they hate him, whatever. They're going to go out of their way to poke holes in everything he's done. But the reality is he's playing to the level that I just said, and you had no right to expect him to be any better than that, considering what we saw last year. The last time we saw Zach Wilson, he got booed off the field on national television in front of his own home stadium. He was so bad that we heard all offseason about how they were planning to rebuild him. He was going to learn behind Rodgers, this and that. And now he's at least playing to the level of a low-tier starter slash solid backup. That's significant progress. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's sad for the second overall pick, but it sure. is progress. Now, with that in mind, I've just got a question. With no Sauce Gardner, what was the thing you noticed your defense doing to suppress the passing game of the Eagles? I mean, obviously, Chris has pointed out, they missed Shane Steichen. He called it before the season started. He goes, take the under on Jalen Hurts' yardage, if you can, before the season starts, because they're going to miss Shane Steichen. And it's clear that they do. But with that, what what did you guys do in this one specifically without sauce to keep both A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith in check? Well, to be fair, they didn't really keep A.J. Brown in check. He had like 160 yards, so he did his thing. But Devonta Smith... 
Look, he was bad, and he dropped a couple passes, too, in addition to not being able to consistently get open the way A.J. Brown did. But I think what's interesting with Jalen Hurts is if he's a quarterback that if you can knock him off his spot, you can have success against him because that offensive line in Philly does a great job of protecting him and allowing him to do what he does. And what he does well is uses his legs to extend plays and operates – well within the pocket throwing the ball. And there's a misnomer with Jalen Hurts because people assume because Josh Allen, because Lamar Jackson, because, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, guys like that can throw well when they're outside the pocket on the run that anybody that uses their legs can do that. But Jalen Hurts can't. Nate Tice had a really good set of stats. I thought this was interesting. And I think this is something that teams going forward, including the Bills, are going to want to pay attention to. When Jalen Hurts is forced to throw outside the pocket, his quarterback rating is 49.3, his success rate is 30%, and he's averaging just north of, get this, two yards per attempt. He's terrible when you can force him to throw outside the pocket. The Jets knock him off his spot all game. They use a lot of looks to confuse him in the pocket, which is where he's effective, and they use the pass rush to force him outside the pocket where he's ineffective. And if you look at the end of that game when – Tony Adams made the interception. Well, not quite the end, but just about the end when he made that interception. <laughs> what they were doing was they were setting that up. It's almost like if you watch a movie and you see something at the beginning of the movie that you aren't sure is going to pay off at the end, but it comes full circle at the end. And that detail from the beginning is what you see at the end that ties it all up in a neat little bow. The Jets had been using a lot of deception with Hertz. They would um, they would show man drop back in zone. They showed four different exotic fronts. And what they did was at a certain point, they just kept baiting and baiting him. And at the end, Tony Adams actually talked about this in the postgame presser. He said that Jeff Ulbrich told him exactly where to go. He said, here's where, where he's going to throw it. This is where you want to be. And so what they did was they fooled Hertz by using a look that he had seen earlier, but doing something entirely different. And that's what led to the interception. And honestly, huge props to the Jets defensive players for playing really well in spite of missing their three top cornerbacks. But man, Jeff Ulbrich, this was a masterclass by him. Just an incredible game plan. One of the best defensive game plans I've seen from a Jets coach in a really long time. We'll see what happens because it's only six games in, but He's a guy that I, I suspect may get some head coach interviews in the offseason. This was a masterstroke. And again, this is something that McDermott, who's a very smart defensive mind, I would imagine is going to take note of. That's what you got to do against Jalen Hurts. Now, granted, part of the reason why it was a little easier than you'd expect is because Lane Johnson went down in the first quarter. So the Jets were able to get pressure from the right side. But if you can knock Hurts off his spot and confuse him in the pocket, and if you can force him to make throws out of the pocket, that the results are not going to be optimal for him. I love the fact that that's now something I can refer back to when we go, when we do our own, you know, hopefully, hopefully a lot of that, I mean, obviously our rosters may look very different by then, the way injuries happen across the NFL. It'll be interesting to see whether or not the Bills can pull off a similar feat, given how much praise gets heaped on McDermott for his defensive acumen. I love it. Obviously, you guys have a bye week. You can relax. 
you guys probably have a lot of content going on at Play Like a Jet in the bye week, and you're going to have more coming out of it. Where can people find your show, and where can they follow you on uh, social media? Yeah, we got a ton of content. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, by the way, putting up some phenomenal videos. He actually, and this is something Bills fans should check out because, again, the Bills and Eagles are doing battle later this year. So you'll want to see what, what I was talking about, what the Jets were doing to confuse the Eagles. Luke did a great video about the four different exotic fronts that the Jets were doing to throw Jalen Hurts off the entire game. So that video is up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash play like a jet. We've got all our videos up there. If you want to subscribe, go ahead. You might want to check out what the Jets are doing because the Jets and Bills are having a rematch in November. The The show continues to go on every single day. Uh, I, I'm having a couple of fun different guests on because it's the bye week, but we're still going to have the usual content. Randy Lang, who is a longtime beat reporter covering the Jets and now works for the Jets website. One of my favorite guests to have on a real sports writing legend. Like, I don't want to be mean to the beat writers. I'm not talking about the Jets. I'm just saying beat writers in general. It's a very different job now. But Randy is such an old school pro and he's so good at what he does and he can recall information so easily that it was a real treat. He's going to be on later in the week to, to speak with him and seven days a week of content. And listen, Chris knows this. Walter Charpinski of WalterFootball.com, he comes on with his picks every Sunday, and he's very good at those. He's made thousands of dollars every year betting football. So even if you're not a Jets fan, you'll want to check that out. You can listen to the podcast on any of the, uh, the podcast apps, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Play, uh, Stitcher, Apple, all of that. And also you can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. Scott Mason, Alfar Tiaga, and about... 15 minutes. No Christian because he's on the preview show. But so two people, Scott Mason, Alpha Arteaga, they are the heavenly bodies <laughs> of the AFC East. They are the furthest thing from the heavenly bodies. So are the heavenly bodies. Hold on. Uh, look, look, look like, at this. Scott Mason and Alpha are more like master. Look Blaster. at this. This is the heavenly bodies. Do you know who they are? No. Do you know who's on the right? No. Dr. Tom Pritchard, and you know who's on the left? No. Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey. Why would I know this? <laughs> Those are that's Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey is one of the greatest names in wrestling ever. Scott Mason and Elf Artiaga are closer to Master Blaster from uh, Mad Max 2 than they are the Heavenly Bodies. I love those guys. But that's reality. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, so I guess that brings us to our bills, doesn't it? Yeah. This is where we rank coordinators. No, no, <laughs> this is no. We did that during the uh, during the recap show. No, this is where we talk about Leonard Fournette's visit that visit that wasn't. Where do you think they met with him? <laughs> they At didn't. the facility, and then they went to Applebee's. They didn't. Uh, it never happened. Because the team opted to sign... Well, here's what's happening. They all of a sudden said it was canceled. Now, Leonard Fournette himself told sources that he was coming here to Buffalo to do an interview and a workout. And then, all of a sudden, it was canceled. And everyone goes, oh, fake news! It's like, no. Some team caught wind of us trying to talk to Fournette and tried to sign Ty Johnson. And the Bills opted to sign Ty Johnson. Like, I wouldn't be shocked 
Watch it now. They're going to elevate him from the practice squad this week. He's going to see an elevation to the 53. I, Chris, does that make sense? Like, does yeah. that make sense that you're going to see a... Uh, like, does it make sense that a running back who... Like, okay, some other team's going to sign you and make you the third guy. Might look at a team like the Bills who have given all three running backs touches every single game and said to himself, where could I go? Like, I don't know who the team was, right? No one knows who the team was that was trying to sign Ty Johnson. But he said, hey, you know what? I'd rather stay with Josh Allen and this team and this coordinator than go take my chances with, like, who's a team that might be trying to sign a running back right now? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the 49ers. Didn't McCaffrey hurt? Now, the 49ers would be interesting. I feel like you'd want to go play for them, right? So yeah. Favorite, whatever. So it can't be that. It had to be something else, because otherwise he wouldn't still be here. At the same time, what this tells you is that our staff genuinely believes that Ty Johnson's better than Leonard Fournette. Now, remember when Leonard Fournette's name got floated in the offseason as a free agent signing? Yeah. And I shit all over the idea. I still hate the idea. I think that in a vacuum, if it's not going to cost us anything else and he's going to come be on the practice squad, great, wonderful. I watched what Leonard Fournette was last year. Lenny is a guy who at 29 years old is a plotter. He will, if you want to give him volume, he will put up statistics. Last year for the Buccaneers, I remember watching a game. It was the Buccaneers and it was the Arizona Cardinals. I had James Conner, my opponent. This was like a game to see who made the playoffs. <laughs> That's how bad my team was. Winning in, needed this game. Otherwise, I wasn't going to make the cut. The guy I'm playing has Lenny. The guy, I, you know, I have James Conner. And both of them are just catching every ball because they were the only viable wide receivers that the quarterbacks could find. And it was embarrassing because they were just racking up yardage and run, you know, yards after the catch and the, getting a run here and there, but more being used as receivers. The last thing I want on this team, Chris, is a slow receiving back, right? Yeah. I don't need that. I have zero. Like, in a vacuum, you'd think, oh, he was good between the tackles. Yeah. Five years ago in Jacksonville. It's, but we've come a long way since then. If the coaching staff believes that Tyler Johnson has more juice to his game than Leonard Fournette, I'd believe that. And I'd also be inclined to agree with him. I don't think, regardless, of, like, cause it, Chris, what do you think that costs? A lot cheaper. Yeah, it's absolutely a lot cheaper. But also, you're getting... And he's two years younger. Younger? Got a little more, just naturally, he's a better athlete. I don't know. Say what you want. I think that Leonard Fournette... Yeah, Reed would have loved it because they could have relived their glory days from fucking LSU. But mm-hmm. otherwise, I just if our if our staff believes that this guy's better than Leonard Fournette, I'm inclined to believe him. And I don't I don't care what the Twitter think talking heads think. Chris, the Twitter rabid portion of our fan base is fucking wild. Yeah. Now, in that same vein, the Bills do have an issue at cornerback. What do we do with Kyrie? 
You and I sat there in the stadium on Sunday together and watched him just not turn his head does every it, single time he was targeted. Does it involve a U-Haul? And you. The question is, can we convince anyone else that he still has value? Who are the rubes that we can sell this to? I feel like this is where... It's like that thing, like, uh, what's that movie with Dan Aykroyd and uh, Eddie Murphy? Trains, planes, and automobiles? I hate you. You don't know. You've never seen uh, Trading Places, have you? No. Of course not. This is like the opposite of that. I need to find a way to trick somebody. I have seen Coneheads. Dan Aykroyd is in that. I have seen Coneheads. In fact, maybe that's it, right? Like, maybe it's the, the idea of, like, we need to trick somebody like this movie into buying something that really is not going to have much value. <laughs> and so I need to find a way to trick somebody into Kyrie Lum. At the same time, all these people talking about trading multiple picks for a cornerback. First of all, there's no guarantee that's going to work. It's like, when's the last time a cornerback trade has panned out big, Chris? At least, like, in the realm of, hey, trade for Patrick Sertain. That no, seems like I can't, a wild idea. I can't think of it. I if you're trading for Patrick Sertain, you are basically saying that you are going to give him a contract extension because of what you're going to have to give up just to get him. What does that mean for Trey White? Are you cutting him? No. No. Uh, what does that mean for the rest of the cornerbacks on the roster? Christian Benford doesn't have a home now. Dane Jackson needs to be released. Although I think Dane's just here in a one-year deal, but now Christian Benford becomes the new Dane Jackson, which is which is a fine problem to have, but now you're paying two top-end cornerbacks in an era where you don't have a lot of money to spend. You're already going into next year over the cap. You're going to have to do more cap gymnastics in order to fit things in next year. It's just this thing of water. You take calculated risks. There's such a thing, you know, every idiot that calls our local radio station with an idea of, trade for this guy. You should just go on the, None of you understand the cap. And it drives me crazy. You're all killing me inside. I have to change the radio station every single time they take a caller. I can't listen to it. And it's usually rooted in this kind of stuff. Some hillbilly yelling into his phone about how we need to go all in and get Sertan. We need to go all in and try to get a cornerback like Ramsey, like the, like the Dolphins did. It's like, guys, you're out of your fucking minds. Bean is too pragmatic for that. Now... Chris, would you be averse to a trade for a cornerback? No. That involves could. getting rid of Elam's contract. I'm for that. Now, you're probably talking about a B or C level prospect, right? Yeah. But if you can find a B level prospect with more upside than our current B to C level prospect, this is essentially, if you were going to make a trade happen here that would improve the lot of this situation... What you're looking for is the Kelvin Shepard for Jerry Hughes trade. Now, it's I pause when I say that because it's one of the most egregiously one-sided trades in the history of the NFL. We gave up a third-round picket linebacker in Kelvin Shepard for Jerry Hughes, who was a first-round picket defensive end, and was simply misused in a 3-4 defense. 
straight up. Like, which one's worse? Now that I'm thinking about this, was Kiko Alonso for Shady straight up the most lopsided ever? One of them. But Kiko was at least useful. Yes. Kelvin Shepard is already a coach in the NFL. Kiko Alonso was just playing like two or three years ago. Kelvin Shepard was already retired in coaching. <laughs> That's it. That settles it. De facto. Most one-sided trade of all time. There's no way we come out of this in a way if we're trading cornerbacks that makes everybody happy, is there? You're either giving up a bigger, uh, more draft capital than you'd like, which is tough for a team that's so strapped to the cap. You need those first-round picks. Even if Bean doesn't do well with late first, late sec, you know, late third, we still got to take those swings because that's how you fund a fiscally viable football team is by hitting on those draft picks. You could try to find, a like maybe it's just a situation change, like there's a team out there with a cornerback that doesn't fit. We have one that just isn't fitting. And maybe it's just a difference in philosophy, a difference in scenery, whatever it is. We can find a swap with a little bit of pick exchange in between for late rounders. But even then, you're not getting a starting caliber cornerback. So all the people who believe that there's something we can do to fix this now, you need to stop. And instead, what you should do is root for the acclimation of these young guys. Stop tearing them down and start just accepting the fact that this is what we have. Dorian Williams is going to fill in for Matt Milano, whether you like it or not. Kyrie Elam is probably going to be here for the entire season, whether you like it or not. This is the, this is the hand we're dealt. <clears throat> all this trade talk... It's great because it keeps our radio shows host like a radio host. They have a job. They, you know, they're getting paid. They take your phone calls and then they pontificate about your stupid phone calls. I just need you to know how dumb I think they are. And if you can, if you're listening to this podcast and you're still a radio caller, Chris, like, this is almost where I want to put like that, like Sarah McLaughlin, like in the arms of an angel. I want to be like for no money a day. You can stop driving everyone crazy with your stupid, like, Chris, what's worse about a bad phone caller to a sports show? You dealt with a lot of them. You screened a lot of them. Yeah, it's... What's uh, worse? Is it the guy... Hang on. Is it the guy with a bad premise? Well, Well, hang on. Is it the guy with with a stupid question? Like, almost a question that you, like, the the type of thing where you know this guy practiced answering the question... Like, he almost has, like, a smugness about it, but it's the most, like, the guy who asks a question that's one of the most, like, pedantic things ever, and yet he believes it's earth-shattering, or is it the guy who asks the wild-ass question that almost illustrates he knows nothing about how the NFL actually works? First of all, as a phone, former phone screener for 790 The Zone in Atlanta, the first person that you don't put on the air is the guy that doesn't understand that there is a phone screener. <laughs> who, who just thinks he just called and calls and gets on immediately. That's not a thing that happens. And then after that is uh, the guy that can only do... Uh, he maxes out at two and a half syllables on any word, even if it's over two and a half syllables. All right, then no one's going to understand this guy. And then it's third would be guy with outlandish take 
where it would only happen in Narnia. <laughs> that would be that would be <laughs> the levels of people that call into sports stations. I just want you all to know that if you fit any one of these categories and you're listening to this podcast right now, I still love you. Right? I still love you as a listener and a follower of our pontification. But I'm doing it here from a I mean a very nicely appointed, a very nicely outfitted studio. But I'm doing it from a fucking basement. Right? I'm not out there bothering the masses. You're here because you sought me out. Stop subjecting the general public to your nonsense. That's all I ask. And so as we reach the conclusion of tonight's show, we obviously have to speak to the team, you know, speak about the team that dies uh, currently holding currently for now holding first place in the AFC East. That would be the Miami Dolphins who don't come on, Alf, you mean to tell me that there wasn't a moment, not a flicker of concern there early on when the Panthers no. took it? No. Oh, uh, there was a there was a, there was a moment where I was angry with the the way that the defense was playing, but then they pitched a shutout the rest of the way. So they kind of make up for it, but <laughs> yeah. no, nah, there was no, there was no concern there. Bryce Young did, did have a couple of nice throws though. It, he did, and so here's the question: You know, the Miami Dolphins. You guys, you go on to just again, just absolutely beat up on the Panthers, forty-two twenty-one. But early, like, that score kind of belies how close it was early. You know, I'm at our tailgate, and I'm on my phone, and I'm just looking at Dolphins Twitter. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm sure they're having a very reasonable and nuanced response to this. And I wasn't disappointed. And that's one thing I will say about your fan base. They never disappoint if that's what I'm looking for. And so what do you think it was defensively that allowed Carolina to get off to such a, like, this is one of the best starts to a game they've had all season. It, it was uh, it was a combination of two things. Our offense, for the first time in, I think the stat was 15 consecutive games, had two three and outs in the first half in a row. So it was a combination of that and then a combination of our defense went back to what they were trying to do earlier in the season with Van Ginkle in the middle as middle linebacker, and then all of a sudden – they started finding these gaps in our in our zone defense, and Bryce Young was just playing really, really well. Uh, it was as simple as that, and they were moving the football. Does the Van Ginkle thing concern you? Because, it, like you know, when we talked about this early on in the season, it was this: "Hey, we're experimenting with players. Who fits best where?" Okay, we found out that Van Ginkle belongs at the line of scrimmage, and that David Long belongs playing stand-up linebacker. Now everything's starting to click, and this is going to go well. And then, like, now we're going back to this. What do you think it is in f that Fangio, like, what, why does he like this idea? Fangio, remember that Jalen Phillips hasn't played all year? Yeah. Uh, he played the first game against the Chargers and then played um, essentially a quarter against the Broncos and didn't play all year. Mm -hmm. uh, he found himself in the lineup for this game, and Fangio decided, all right, I got to figure out how to play these three guys together. So if I'm going to play these three guys together, I'm going to play Chubb, Phillips, and Van Ginkle together. The way I'm going to do it, and he's wrong, by the way, <laughs> is to take it's to take David Long out and play Van Ginkle in his role. And sure enough, it was an unmitigated disaster once again. Van Ginkle cannot play that spot. But lo and behold, you play him on the edge, and he has like seven sacks this season or whatever he has right now. So 
uh, they got to figure out that that um, they got to figure that out. That how are they going to play those three guys together? I've submit. Look, Jalen Phillips had a lot of success rushing as a three tech. You could rush him as a three tech on third downs. Mm-hmm. That's there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Bradley Chubb is coming on now as of late, and then you could play Van Ginkle on the edge, and that works too. Having too much depth is not a problem. You don't have to get these guys out there. Play them as designed, and uh, I think the proof is in the pudding. You started the game with Van Ginkle at middle linebacker, two drives, two touchdowns. You took him out of there, you you insert David Long, and you pitch a shutout for three quarters. Well, so, and, and so this is it, I guess. If there was a concerning thing for me as a fan or as an analyst, it would be this concept that I have a guy who's running one side of the ball, <laughs> who who even when evidence is presented to him that something is a good idea, he still doesn't trust it or still feels the need to like, hey, it would be like the equivalent of me sticking my hand into a pot of boiling water and going, whoa, woo, that was hot. And then going, but how hot? Maybe, let's try one more time. Maybe it wasn't as hot as I thought it was. The, it just seems unnecessary. Like, well, Fangio will tell you it will tell you himself. Uh, all camp, and then during the preseason games, Cam Smith kept flashing like, "Man, we got something with this guy. We have something with this guy. This guy's going to start opposite X until Ramsey comes back. The season starts, and then Cam Smith is absolutely buried on the bench, <laughs> doing nothing. And then uh, you asked Fangio, uh, this guy was having a great camp, and he had some good preseason games. Like, why is he not getting snaps? And Fangio flat out tells you, look, I'm not sure we can trust him in coverage yet. So, therefore, we got to roll out everybody else in coverage and not him. And so then they start playing Cam Smith on special teams, and he starts making play after play on special teams. Mm-hmm. When I looked it up, I think he played four snaps at South Carolina on special teams. So, usually, and I've been around enough football teams and played on some football teams where you start to learn this. Where when guys start flashing on special teams when they weren't meant to, you usually start rewarding them with snaps on the starting defense because they're earning their way onto the field. Not in this case. In this case, Cam Smith starts flashing all over the place on special teams, and then he gets a few snaps in each game. Not even and not even the balance of the snaps in garbage time, which I think is a mistake. I but, mean, uh, look, you you invested a second round pick in this guy when you guys had other holes, when you had offensive line things you could have addressed, when you could, there was a lot that you could have done. You know, Ryan Lacell loves it when I say this because I've made it I've made an ass of myself using it before. But the phrase "hat on a hat," you guys kind of put hat on a hat here <laughs> with the drafting of him and having the cornerbacks coming back from injury that you had and knowing that you had Xavier Howard, but you did it anyway because you thought the player was that talented. So then it's really frustrating to watch this all play out where you have what could be a, you know, you have that game against Stefan Diggs in the Bills game where Cater Kohu, it becomes apparent, cannot hold up to that quality of wide receiver or at least that type of wide receiver who plays the game that way. And yet, Cam Smith didn't get a thought as far as being allowed to play that role or play outside. It's like you, you're you again, it's kind of like the David Long thing. You're looking for reasons not to do a thing, even though that thing looks like it might be the smartest idea. Yeah. <laughs> and and we were talking about this on the pod on, on, on Monday because I was like, man, you got to find some snaps for this guy. Even, <laughs> you know, if you could engineer a blowout 
Get him out there for an entire fourth quarter. It doesn't matter. All you got to do is engineer blowouts. What are you talking if you can find one? Chris, that's the funniest thing I've heard all day. Hey, if Miami can engineer a blowout as if, I don't know, what, 40 points over the Broncos, uh, 25, 25-point 50, lead in the second half against the uh, against a bad passing offense in Carolina. If you guys can't find snaps for him now, what the hell is it going to take? It's crazy. Yeah, and, and we were talking about this on Monday, and Chris was telling me, look, if you're waiting for Cam Smith to get on the field, I got news for you. Because, by the way, and I will top us and our podcast and, uh, and OnlyFans on this, we were first. I know some people are going to claim credit for that, but we were first telling everybody that Jalen Ramsey will be back before November. And sure enough, he's practicing today. Uh, he will not play against the Eagles, but start uh, placing your bets for that, that Chiefs game two weeks from now in in Germany. And Chris was saying, look, if you're expecting Cam Smith to play, Jalen Ramsey's coming back. That's going to be yet <laughs> another reason why they're going to bury this kid even further. So... Yeah, I'm I'm fearing that on the defensive side of the ball, they're going to redshirt this kid for the season, and I don't think it's warranted. I he, I think his play has warranted getting some snaps. Hey, Chris, I and wonder if we could trick he's him. A long, lean, he's a long, lean. <laughs> he's a long, lean, athletic corner that you can say, you know what, maybe he is useful in some of our zone coverages. But no, uh, they don't trust him. Vic Fangio doesn't trust him, won't play him, hasn't played him. Awesome. Hey, I'll take it. Also, I, hot, hot, like, okay, well, let's talk about this. You know, if you want to fade this or if you're a fan of it, talk about Kendall Lamb maybe making Teron Armstead expendable. Nah, that's crazy. That's that's crazy talk. Okay. Uh, what they have to address is the money that they're paying, you know, Teron Armstead to be a spot starter going forward. Yes. Okay. Because yeah, Kendall Lamb is having a monster season, and so is and so is Austin Jackson. Let's let's face it, Austin Jackson is playing his way into a big big contract. Well, here's something I'd like to point out though: is it okay? So what's crazier, Chris? I'm going to ask you this question: What is more probable that offensive linemen who we know to be subpar to average throughout the course of their career, all of them figured out how to play? high-level offensive line in one season, or the system is finally working in a way that protects the offensive linemen, in which case you should do everything possible to preserve the system rather than the individuals. What do you think about that, Chris? I think that you're asking the wrong person that question. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a great question. And it's one that I'm going to steal from you and ask yes. on the, on the next podcast uh, because it, it really is. Because what do we know? We know that Kendall Lamb, like, let, let's analyze this across the board. We know that Kendall Lamb last year was good in spot duty, okay? Comes out this year, he's absolutely awesome. Like, yep. there's no way for the – guys, the guy's allowed one sack. Yep. <laughs> all right? Yep. All season. And I think two pressures, and he went four weeks without allowing a pressure. All right. Yeah. So yeah, he's been he's been really really good. So, that's what we know so far. Well, and so you know this that is I, it. So, so is he? And that's what I'm talking about. And then Austin Jackson, who has been a joke. Who literally, there have been Dolphins fans saying the thing that I always said about our, you know, whenever we had a just a bum on our roster, I would say things like, "I will come to your home and help you pack the U-Haul if you get the hell out of here." 
there have been Dolphins fans pounding the table for that since the day, almost the day he was drafted and then inserted into the starting lineup. And yet now all of a sudden they're all-stars. So what's more probable? (laughs) And with that, do you want to allocate significant resources to these guys? Yeah, I'm I'm thinking about Austin Jackson. You know, we're looking at AJ Epinesa, who's coming up here. He's going to be due a payday. You guys are maybe a year, one year removed. You're going to have to come up this summer and decide whether or not you want that fifth year option. If you pay him, that now there's complications as far as what you can do with the rest of your cap. Beyond that, do you extend this guy or are you drafting his replacement? It's just I see all of the success your linemen are suddenly having. And I just questioned, like even in the Bills game, the line wasn't exactly the issue. Like we did get pressures and we did get some hits on Tua. We did get some sacks. But by and large, it was worlds better than what anyone expected, knowing what the line has been over the last few years. Now you want to start that conversation of who do we invest in? That becomes a much more nuanced conversation, I think. Yeah, and if you go across the board, you know, Isaiah Wynn's having a monster year, and, you know, we picked him up off off of New England, and New England was trying to get rid of him. That was a guy I thought the Bills really could have used. And he's been really good. Uh, Connor Williams has been injured the last few weeks. Liam Meikenberg all of a sudden has a very, very good game at center. And I have a theory on Liam Meikenberg that it has to do with the fronts that he's facing. The Bills have a very busy A-gap mugging front that's going to cause problems for a guy making his debut at center. Mm-hmm. The Eagles do not. The Carolina Panthers do not. They like to play guys at three-tech, which gives the center less to do, which Liam Meikenberg is all right if he's helping everybody else out and he's <laughs> free to just get down the field, you know, although not too far down the field like like he did against Buffalo and cost us a touchdown. <laughs> but the right side of that line, if you watch him on film, we all, we all knew, and I've been, I've been touting – Robert Hunt on this podcast for two years. Yep. He's really, really good. And he's going to get paid. He's one, in my opinion, he's one of the best guards in football. And he'll get paid as such. Austin Jackson, the work he's doing in the run game is absolutely ridiculous week in and week out. He's sprinting downfield and hitting safeties 20 and 30 yards down the field. Is like, he payday worthy, though? Because like here's you, the you thing. can like a guy. Do you like him starting here's his right arc. tackle money? <laughs> here's his arc, okay? We drafted him. Out of USC, extremely young, and he has a very average rookie season to the point where we were saying, eh, that's, I guess that's okay for a rookie. But he does it at left tackle. The following year, they move him to right tackle, and he is absolutely abysmal <laughs> and had one of the worst seasons an offensive lineman has ever had that I've ever witnessed. Uh, he got but, your quarterback killed in week two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, week three. Although that was Jesse Jackson, by the way. Oh, okay. That was Jesse Davis. Jesse Davis. Jesse Davis. Jesse, okay. Yeah, not Jesse Jackson. Jesse, <laughs> Jackson was Jesse left Jackson. Tackle <laughs> that, was, that was Austin Jackson. I left tackle that week. But then year three comes around and he's injured all year. And, and now you're saying, okay, not only was he bad last year, but now he's going to be completely unavailable this year. Yeah, we got to get rid of him. This year he comes, he comes on. He shows up a lot lighter and he's having a monster year. And then you check on his age and you find out or you're, you're reminded. He's only 25 years old. And you're wondering, well, he's having a monster year. Is this his pedigree or is this his athleticism? Because I I told you what his issues is. His issues have always been his technique is absolute garbage. But you watch him in practice and you can see how coaches are going to like him. 
He's 6'5", 320 pounds, and he's a slim, good-looking athlete. And when you see his athleticism, you're going to think to yourself, we could do something with that. Well, they're doing something with that now. Uh, we're just going to have to see how he finishes this up. But if he finishes up the season the way he started it, like, how do you not pay this guy? Well, I look forward to watching you guys be the nightcap on Sunday night. I'm sure you guys are going to have a lot this week in the run-up to it. I can't wait. Like, this is what I love. Guys, for those of you listening, I can't wait because if things don't go well, I'm, it, Monday is just going to be that much sweeter. <laughs> the podcasting, the Schadenfreude. It's like it's a win-win for me no matter what. I get to watch an exciting football game, and then at the same time, if it doesn't go well for one of you, I still get to have fun. At the, like who, No matter who it doesn't go well for, I get to have fun at their expense. I love this. I really do. Now, in the run-up to it, where can everybody find you on social media? Where can they find your work? Where can they join OnlyFans? Why don't you hit me with it? All right. Uh, if you want to join OnlyFans, it's on Discord. So you got to go to discord.gg forward slash OnlyFans. And you can join there for $3 a month. Uh, you want to get our podcast? It's the number three yards per carry. We're everywhere. Like, you really can't miss us. Like, if you have a if you have an internet machine anywhere near you, just put in our name, three, the number three, yards per carry, and we will show up on Twitter. We are also the number three yards per carry, and you get all our work on there. Guys, this has been a lot of fun, but for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Elfar Tiaga. That's Chris Krueger. And this has been your AFC's Roundout. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.